Good morning. It's always a pleasure to be here, and um, it's a distinct pleasure to be here when, when Rich Teeters is here, and it's a different kind of a pleasure to be here when he's not here. Uh, I can poke fun at him when he's here. I can't be as mean to him in his absence, you know, because I'll get back to him. Um, but uh, he, always, uh, he always embarrasses me with his introductions. He makes me seem like something really special, which is it's good uh, for me. But uh, <laughs> I know the truth. <clears throat> and, of course, my wife knows the truth also. But um, I just had some things I want to share with you um, this morning about miracles. And Steve, I was afraid Steve Young was going to play, uh, what is that 70s song? I Believe in Miracles. Boom, 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 boom. Ringing any bells? Neville's, he's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I believe miracles, you sexy thing, touch me. He's like, I thought, not going to work. Even for a hip church like Renaissance, it's not going to work. So uh, what's Steve going to come up with? But he always comes up with something. Um, Music stands are weird because I have no music. But uh, I want (laughs) to... No, sorry. I just want to to tilt it forward. Um, As usual... He's new. Uh, as you, it's weird. It's weird to be a veteran compared to you. Like these guys. These are my peeps. You know. Um, take care of Clay, man. He's cool. Um, but uh, I just had some things I want to. I want to share with you. First of all, um, there's so much to talk about when it comes to miracles. There's so much teaching. We need teaching in the church. We need teaching. I mean, that is why I wrote those books because I thought I've been a Christian for 19 years, seriously a Christian. And I've read so many sermons and read so many books, and I thought, there's so much stuff that nobody knows. It's really important that we know this. You can't really be expected to live uh, a life the way God wants you to live life unless you kind of know some stuff. And it's hard to get, uh, it's hard to get teaching. There's just so much information. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about miracles, and I'll probably talk about miracles next week, too, because I've got about four hours of material, and I've only got, what, two hours today? Yeah. I'll probably go like 130 minutes tops. So if you need to take a cigarette break, now would be a good time. Uh, how many folks are familiar with the Barry Bonds situation? A few, a few of you, even some ladies. Excellent, excellent. Last night he hit his 755th home run, tying uh, Hank Aaron's record for lifetime home runs. And, um, but you know there's this steroid controversy? Everybody pretty much knows that Bonds has, has taken a lot of steroids and that his, uh, his stats, his achievement is somewhat mitigated by the fact that he's juicing, man. He's really juicing, big time. You know, you can tell his, his head grew like nine hat sizes. Did you know that? Yeah, it's true. And he can't find shoes that fit him. It does weird stuff to the body, but you can really hammer out the homers. Um, but so my idea is that Bud Selig, the commissioner, and I'm going to get back to this, you'll see, that the commissioner uh, should say, okay, you can keep your stats, but... For, for the rest of, of your life, you have to wear a scarlet asterisk. <laughs> Hester Prynne, Nathaniel Hawthorne. All right, if you haven't read a book, I, I can't help you. Um, scarlet asterisk. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Um, all right. Um, there are sort of two titles to the, to the sermon, uh, which is why I think I'm going to preach on the same subject next week because there, there's so much to say on it. But I was thinking uh, of the title, Do You Believe in Miracles? 
Where are you from, sexy thing now? No, not that one. Do you believe in miracles is one title. Do you believe in miracles? And what are miracles? What does that mean? And the other one is, do you depend on miracles? And people say, depend on miracles. What, what do you mean? I'll try to tell you in the short uh, hour and 20 minutes that I've been allotted. Um, do you depend on miracles? Um, I guess... Uh, Oh, Rich asked me, he says, is this going to, you going to be preaching out of your book or, or whatever, your new book? And I said, what do, you, what do you mean? Like, which new book? Because it's a little complicated. I came out with the biography of Wilberforce, which I've talked about here innumerable times. And don't worry, I'm not going to talk about Wilberforce again. But um, how many were you here, here last time I spoke about Wilberforce? I'm curious. All right, we got some repeat customers. Excellent. Um, but, uh, but I wrote a book which is the sequel to Everything You Want to Know About God But We're Afraid to Ask, which idiotically is titled Everything Else You Always Want to Know About God But We're Afraid to Ask. Kind of a cheat, right? Because everything means everything. So how could there be everything else? But that's the new book that Rich was reading. You're going to sell your new book? I thought, well, I always bring my, my books to sell, but I, I didn't plan to, you know, plug the book in a sermon or anything. Um, and Rich said, no, 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 go ahead. No, actually, I th- but then I thought about it, and I thought, actually, no, uh, there is a lot in, this, in the new book about what I am going to talk about, which I hadn't thought about. Um, and it has to do with this idea that when I say something like, do you depend on miracles? What's going through your head there when I say, do you depend on miracles? There's a part of us, of course, that, you know, if, you've, if you're big on the faith thing, you think, yeah, I'm depending on it. God's providing miracles every day, you know, okay. And there's another part of the mind that says, depend on miracles. I shouldn't depend on miracles. That's a cop-out. I need to, you know, do what I need to do. And it, it, depending on miracles is, is a cop-out. Um, and um, it made me think of, this is the part that's in the book, but the phrase, God helps those who help themselves, Right? Now, how many of you know where that is in Scripture? Do you know where that is? Nobody knows where that is? How many of you at least know that it's in Scripture? Come on. Okay. You're wrong. Busted. It's not in Scripture. <clears throat> it's not in Scripture. Everybody, my whole life, people have these conversations with me, and they say, <clears throat> well, but doesn't the Bible say God helps those who help themselves? And the answer is, uh, no, it doesn't. But everybody thinks that it does. And there are many things that are in the Bible. That, that's kind of part of why I wrote those two books. It's like to sort of debunk. Everybody has these ideas that are completely wrong, but they picked it up from something from culture or, you know, TV or movies or something. But God does not help. The, that whole concept of God helps those who help themselves is not in Scripture, number one. Does anybody know where it came from? Besides me. Um, it comes from a pagan source called Aesop's Fables. I didn't know that. I, I looked that up. I thought, how weird. And it comes from Aesop's Fables. There's a story of, uh, it's called Hercules and the Wagoner. Some guy pulling a wagon approximately, oh, I don't know, say 25 centuries ago. And they had wheels then. Did you know that? Man. Uh, this is the early service, right? Anyway, they had wheels, okay, and wagons and stuff. And... Um, <clears throat> Uh, the story, the, the the story of Hercules and the Wagoner. Some guy's pulling a a wagon along, and the the uh, he gets stuck in the mud, and he uh, prays to the gods. Okay, and uh, Hercules appears because Hercules. I don't know if you knew this, but at some point Hercules was promoted to demigod or something like that. He used to be a big strong guy, and then he was promoted to. Uh, it's not going to happen to Schwarzenegger, but it happened in those days. It would happen, and so Hercules appears and effectively says, uh, "Put your." Shoulder to the wheel. That's where we get that phrase from, right? 
Have you heard of that phrase? Wheel? Uh, shoulder to the wheel? Anyway, he says, put your shoulder to the wheel. And, and the moral, because every Aesop's fable has a little moral maxim at the end, is the gods help those that help themselves, right? Now, there's common sense there. <clears throat> That's not a bad idea. But it's not from scripture. It's from a pagan source. And Hercules <clears throat> is not Yahweh. Did you know that? All right, you're tracking now. You're tracking. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but the Bible doesn't say that. <clears throat> But of course, when somebody says to you, God up so they help themselves, what are they really saying? When do they say that to you? My experience is always that people say that to me when I'm talking about God or something like that, and I say that, and you know, you need to, you need to pray, you know? And what they're hearing is you need to be lazy and depend on God to do what you should do. And so they're saying, but doesn't the Bible say God up so they help themselves? No, the Bible doesn't say it, and yet there's a truth there. The Bible does suggest it in some ways. Paul talks about uh, you know, that everybody who can needs to work, you know, uh, you, you can't live off of other people. You need, there are many things in scripture and Proverbs that suggest clearly we are not supposed to sit around while God types up our resume and finds us a job. Um, although God is an unbelievable typist, never makes a mistake. That's true. That's true. Um, <clears throat> thank you. Uh, so what is the balance there, right? And, and the idea that um, when somebody is saying that, they're suggesting that prayer is a cop-out, right? That the Bible is saying that prayer is a cop-out. God helps those who help themselves. But it, it seems rather obvious that the Bible would not be saying that prayer is a cop-out because our model in all things, Jesus, who was perfect, who was God in human form, prayed all the time, right? Uh, I don't think Jesus would be copping out when he should be doing something. praying. So clearly... We're supposed to pray, and we're supposed to, why are we praying? We're expecting God to act. We're supposed to, the normative Christian life, normative, is to expect God to be in our lives, acting in our lives. Now, sometimes it will be really dramatic when the Red Sea parts. <clears throat> That's only happened to me once, but it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. You've got to see it. Um, I have it on beta tapes, but very few people can... I'm sorry, I, otherwise I'd show it to you. But, um, but we know what a dramatic miracle is, and some of us have experienced dramatic miracles. Now I'm curious, who, who here has experienced what they would think is an actually dramatic miracle? Not what, like something what Steve was talking about, but something like really, you know, like somebody was healed of cancer, or some, something that you would consider mind-blowing. Anybody? I'm just curious. So, would you like care up and tell it? No, just kidding. Uh, I have experienced that many times, many times. Now, not so many times that it's happening to me all the time, um, because if it happened all the time, it wouldn't be mind-blowing anymore. But I have experienced many, many, many. I mean, I, I would, uh, I'm, I'm going to put them all in, in a book at some point, because honestly, I have experienced what I know are just ridiculous miracles. They're actually miracles, you know, now you can't prove it. But, um, and then I've experienced tons of the kind of stuff that Steve was just talking about, which is sort of less dramatic, but if it's God, it's also a miracle. But there's something about miracles that there's a subjective quality to it. You, you can't say, this is a miracle, and this is not a miracle. Miracles are subjective in the sense that it depends on our perspective, okay? Um, it's kind of like weeds, right? Do you know like what's a weed and what's not a weed? Do you know how you tell? There, there is no, there, there's no like book of weeds and these are weeds and these are not weeds. People say that's a weed, 
I determine that that's a weed and that's not a weed, right? If you're harvesting dandelions, they're not weeds if you're eating them. Uh, but if they're growing on your lawn and you don't like them, they're weeds to you, right? So it's totally subjective. And miracles are like weeds in the sense that they're subjective. You can't, I, I can't somehow prove it to you because it has to do with God intervening in my life and me seeing that. And it's sort of for me, right? Now, this does not mean, with many subjective things, you know, crazy people can think everything's a miracle, right? And they tell you the story and you're going, uh, it's coincidence. It's not a miracle. And we need to have a healthy balance of knowing the difference, in, in a sense. When somebody's mind is, is playing tricks on them and they're talking about something that's not a miracle, it's just they're, they're kind of kooky emotional. They're, this is emotionalism. We need to be able to, to tell the difference. Uh, and sometimes you kind of can't tell the difference, but it's really important to know that... Miracles are sort of subjective in the sense that we have to determine whether that was a miracle or or wasn't. Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, Well, what what happened to Steve, for example, uh, I'm sure things like that happen to people and they would say it wasn't a miracle, it was just like, you know, it was a cool thing that happened, But, but they don't sense that it was God. And so it's harder to tell. But the fact is that According to scripture, according to the normative Christian life, we should always, this is true, this is a fact, you should always be expecting miracles, and I don't mean parting the Red Sea miracles, although you should expect that those will happen in your life at some point. Some people it happens more frequently, some people it almost never happens, but you should expect that. If you're walking with Jesus, if you are walking with Jesus Christ and asking him every day, to be in your life, and you're doing your best to obey him and to love others and to, to, to do the things that he calls you to do, the normative Christian life, you can expect on some level miracles in your life. Um, and again, it's different for everybody, but I can tell you, I, I'm, I'm amazed at the things that have, that have happened um, in my life. I, I'll, I'll tell you one uh, quick story, which is uh, a little weird. I, when I had first come to faith, about 19 years ago, I was, um, I was in this really, really dead-end job. It was awful, absolutely awful. I was a proofreader at Union Carbide in Danbury, Connecticut. Woof, it was bad. Um, I was about a quarter mile from the nearest window. It was like that kind of a you know, setting, and um, I was a little pale. But um, I became... A Christian, I had this very dramatic, actually miraculous experience, which I think I told you about another time, where, where God came into my life and like, ba-boom, I was, you know, kooky for Jesus from having been like really skeptical about Jesus. Total miracle. Well, suddenly now, I'm in this dead-end job, this horrible job, but God gave me faith. I knew he was real. I knew he could hear my prayers. I knew that he loved me. He had a plan for my life. All this stuff I now knew. And sometimes when you're first born again, when you first accept Jesus, there's a special dispensation where it's kind of like when you're dealing with a little kid almost. And, and, and God's things are in brighter colors and clearer. You know, the way when you're talking to a kid, you speak loudly and clearly because, uh, you know, infants don't get nuance. So, thank you. So, um, so I remember at that time I had this dead-end job. Didn't know what I was going to do with my career. I wanted to be a writer. It wasn't working out. And I, uh, I remember praying very clearly and specifically and with faith, because God had given me faith. I could really pray these crazy prayers. And I prayed a crazy, prayed a crazy prayer. I said, Lord, 
I know that, you know, I've been in charge of my life up to this point and it hasn't been working out. And I just totally turn it over to you to the extent that I will not leave this dead end job until you move me out. And I know you will move me out. I don't know what I mean by that. doesn't matter. But I will not. I'm just going to be here. Maybe you want me to be here for a year or two to share my faith in you with some colleague here, like this other guy shared his faith with me and totally changed my life forever. I don't know. I don't care. I'm going to work with you wherever I am. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be your servant. And I will not leave this job unless you move me out. That's a crazy prayer, you know. I don't know why God gave me the faith to pray that prayer. That's a whole other sermon to talk about that. But I knew that I could expect a miracle. And sometimes I feel that God kind of speaks to you about, you know, you, you pray that. That's another story. But I prayed that prayer, and some, maybe two months passed or three months passed, and I was enjoying this dead-end job because Jesus was with me now, and it was a whole different experience. And then one day, uh, I remember thinking, oh, I prayed that prayer, that crazy prayer that God would have to move me out. And maybe, I guess maybe he wants me here for a while. I've been here now for some months after, uh, you know, maybe he wants me to be here. Um. I think it was the next day or two days later, I show up for work. Boss calls me in and says, you're laid off. Like we, you know, budget cuts and you're, you're gone. Goodbye. Next week's your, your last week. Now, any time previous to this, that would have been my dream come true because I hated this job, okay? But now I'm thinking, this is amazing because I had prayed that God would move me out and now I'm laid off. So now I have no choice. I've been moved out. I'm moving out. But now what? I don't know. Well, later that afternoon, I'd had an appointment to talk to this uh, company uh, about some nickel and dime writing stuff to just to make some extra money. And I figured, well, I better keep that appointment because now I've just been laid off. So uh, I drive all the way down to Westport, Connecticut to keep the appointment. And I'd just been, as I say, laid off out of the blue. And that afternoon, while I'm thinking about this, I'm praying like, Lord, I know, I know this was you. You've got some plan for me here. This is, okay, this is interesting, you know. And... Um, so I, I keep the appointment, I go to the place, and they, within five minutes, the guy that I'm meeting with, who I was expecting to give me like, you know, $300 worth of jacket copy or something, whatever, hands me half of my annual salary as a proofreader in two writing projects and says, can you do these two projects? I thought, this is insane. Like, this is not, I'm on candid camera, obviously. Um, this can't be happening because I just was laid off a couple hours ago. I had nothing. I walk here with no expectations, and you're handing me this outrageous job, like this dream. I'm going to get to adapt children's books and so on and so forth. You're paying me really well to do something I like, and I didn't even know you might do this for me. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm blown away. And, of course, you know, the naturally skeptical side says, eh, there's something here. I'm not, you know. Nah, nah, nah. So I said, look, I really need to know because I just got laid off and whatever. So he says, well, call me back in two days and I, I'll give you, you know. And I thought, okay, here it comes, you know. So I call him back in two days and he says, yeah, you can still do the two projects. They're still yours, but I need you to do a third one like right away, you know. So this was knock you over the head miracle. I had been picked up out of this job, laid off, out of the blue, no warning, nothing, and handed this job as you know, a dream job that I didn't know existed and it completely altered the course of my life. I ended up writing 30 children's books so far, you know. I never planned to write a single children's book. Um, there's all kinds of other stuff there. But, but that was one experience in my life that it was, it was ridiculous. Now, you can't prove that it was God, but 
from my point of view, it was like a joke. I prayed the prayer, God, you have to move me out. I won't leave the job. And, you know, within a few hours, I get laid off out of the blue and handed a job that I love, a dream come true, blah, 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 blah. Okay. Now, the problem is, I'm not saying you should live your life like that necessarily. You have to have the wisdom in walking with God when to do nothing and expect him to hand you something and when to... You have to have wisdom. But you also need to know that God can act like that. If you don't know that, it's going to be difficult. You need to know that God can do things and you need to constantly be open to what he has for you. That is normative Christian living. If you're talking about a God who lives outside of time and space, who created the universe, not a big deal for him to, you know, get you a job probably, right? Anything is possible. So you need to think about that. Um, but uh, at the same time, there are times when, when I wrote the book um, um, Amazing Grace, uh, it was something that I, I knew I could sort of do it on my own, but I also knew there was no way I was going to do a good job in the time that I had been given. It was really scary, really scary. And so in the process of a hellish deadline, which was very difficult and painful, which I, I, I was working as hard as I could. I didn't just say, Lord, you can write the book. Now, could he? Yeah, but he didn't want to. He wanted me to do it, right? Uh, but I said, help me to write this because I cannot do this on my own. Help me to write this and make up the difference because I know that I can't, I'm not going to be able to produce what I want to produce. Help, just help me to do it. Um, now, again, that's something, who can, who can prove anything? But it seemed really clear to me in the final product that God helped me dramatically because, because I know what I'm capable of. I know. Um, but that's not something, that's not a parting the Red Sea. Um, remember that a miracle is when we see God's presence in our lives, okay? And remember that God desires to be in your life at all times, but in different ways. Sometimes it's dramatic, sometimes it's small, sometimes it's just God winking at you to say, I'm here. That's all he meant to do. Um, but if you're walking with God, if you are a Christian, if you believe in the Bible, you believe that that's what, that is the life you've been called to. It's not a life for special people. Any human being on this earth is created in God's image. Whether you want to admit it or not, it's a fact, and you'll find out eventually. In a few decades, we all find out. Um, and he desires for you to walk with him while you're here. We're not in heaven yet, but while we're here, he desires to live inside us and to walk with us in all of our circumstances. Now, part of that is God wants us to see him. He wants us to know he's there. That, that's part of submitting to his will. And so there are times when he reveals himself in a miracle, when he reveals himself uh, in other ways. But a big part of it has to do with obeying God. That's not a popular word, but the idea that we've got to obey God. Now, it sounds negative, but it's not negative, but it sounds negative. But the whole idea is that God says, if you obey me, what you are in effect doing, in other words, if, if, if you, to the best of your ability, you are effectively inviting me in. That's what you do when you, when you obey me. When you, you know. In other words, if you're going through a hard time in life, okay, those of us who are married know that uh, you'll go through a hard time in life. <laughs> but that's, that's reality, right? Life is hard. Even Freud knew that, right? Life is hard. You go through hard time. But let's say in the world we live in today, 
you're married, you're going through a really hard time in your marriage, right? Scripture says you're not to get divorced. You're to work this out, and you're, you're to figure out a way. You're to, you're to pray, to ask God to help you. You're, you're, it, it, yeah, it's going to be tough. Life is hard, but it's the Lord's will that you stay married. Now, I'm not going to get into, like, you know, there's all kinds of stuff there, but basically speaking, okay? But there's someone at work who is more attractive than your spouse, who is much nicer to you. You know what I'm talking about. And who understands you better, who's kind of more like a soulmate than that shrew. But that's life, right? That's, that's life. It's always somebody out there that seems to understand you better. Probably that person's your soulmate. You know, the woman at the copy machine is your soulmate, right? And, um, and our culture today says to you, yeah, you need to find your soulmate because when you find your soulmate, everything's going to be smooth and wonderful. It'll be really wonderful. Well, that's like a lie. That is, that is a lie. That's anti-God. That is not what God says, but the culture says it. I read it in the New York Times this morning uh, with, with uh, Ru- Rudy Giuliani and his, um, is it seventh wife? No, <laughs> whatever. Uh, after two and a half, I lose count, but, um, but you know, not to make light of these are really serious things, but it said something in there that, that she said that, that they both had finally found the person that, you know, w- whatever, which I think I heard Larry King say about his fourth wife, and now he's on seven, whatever. But they finally found the person that they're going to be with for, for the rest of their life, even though they promised to be with, the, you know, twice before. It's like this weird thing. We live in a culture that totally doesn't understand this, but that encourages us to kind of help ourselves, not to trust God. Uh, and again, this is not a sermon about divorce. That's really a complicated issue. But basically speaking, we, we, we live in a world that says you've got to get what, what's yours. You go around once and don't, don't spoil it by dealing with that person that's hard to deal with. You know, you can end that and you'll both be happier and you can go over there and you're going to find that thing that you're looking for. But you know what? Uh, probably not. Uh, and even if you do, what did God have for you over here that you'll never get to see now because you couldn't wait because you didn't trust that he might do something. Um, I think of the Barry Bonds thing, actually, right? Let's assume, again, I'm being very controversial here, but let's assume that uh, he, he did massive steroids and he knew it was wrong and so on and so forth, but he wanted to you know, beat Mark McGuire. He wanted to hit more than 70 home runs or he wanted to, to whatever. He had to have that thing, and he knew that everybody else was cheating, so, he, so let's say, again, I, who knows? But, but when you're walking through life, there's always that temptation to kind of do it yourself. God says, you, you obey, trust me and obey me, and then, then only, you will see what I will do in your life because I see your heart. And if you look to me and trust me and obey me, you'll see some stuff. You'll see some sometimes amazing miracles, sometimes more subtle, sometimes in retrospect, you'll see... Wow, he worked it out. Now, in terms of marriage, there are all these statistics that say that marriages that are like two out of ten, like bad marriages, that if they, if they hang in there, that almost in you know, eight out of ten, they, they leap to an above five. There's some like, weird statistic that going through a hard time uh, makes the marriage better, and they end up having like really big, if they, if they hang in there. And again, I'm throwing stuff around here. You understand, I'm not preaching doctrine. But it's a concept that if you wait on God, if you say, Lord, 
I know that all I need to do is what you ask me to do, and you will take care of the rest. I don't need to like, figure everything out myself. I need to do my best and ask you to help me. Um, if you solve things your way, you really will never get to see the thing that God had for you. You, you can't. You, you can't. Um, and you'll, you'll never know. And all I can say is you've got to apply this to your own situation because this is, this could apply to anything. You, you understand in life, you know, do, do I cheat here or do I do the right thing? Well, now, if you really know God, it's not that hard to do the right thing. It, it, it's not such a stretch because you know that he's there with you, he loves you, and he's going to support you in that, and he's going to be with you. It, it's, it's not that, but you have to really know him. Otherwise, it's like this gamble. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm trying to do the right thing, but who knows how it's going to turn out, and I can't take that chance. I've got to make it happen myself, and, you know. But, but the problem is when you do things yourself, and I speak from experience, when you try to, like, sort of solve it yourself because you can't really wait on God and say, Lord, help me, you know, what you get is never what you, you know, it's like the iPhone, right? Had to have it. And now it's, it's not as great as you thought. You know what I'm saying? No. Um, but that thing, I, I, again, I think of Mark McGuire. What a bummer that he gets everything that he could dream of, but it's got this bitter taste. Ugh, what a horrible thing. You know, you get that thing you had to have, but it's just got this, this, this bitter taste. So, so I really think that we need to know to obey God really just means that you really, you know him. So it's not, it's not that hard to do the right thing because you know he will be there and he will back you up. And maybe it's not the way you want it or what. He's got some plan, but you can totally trust him when you are obeying him and doing the right thing, doing the thing that everybody else would say, no, 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 and you say, no, 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 it's okay. I know God's will. I know that I cannot go wrong doing his will. I know that. I don't even hope it. I know it's true. Um, Faith is the, what's the scripture? Faith is the uh, evidence, uh, is the substance of things hoped for. I, I wrote it down. This is the evidence of things not seen, right? In other words, it's totally real, but you can't see it maybe. You can't, but it's totally real. There's no chance that it's not there. You just can't see it. But sometimes God says, if you obey me, I will even give you the eyes to see it, that you'll know, you'll know. It's, it's not a jump. You'll know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the right thing, and, and I feel even blessed doing the right thing, and God is going to bless me his way. I don't even care how he does it. I love him. He loves me. You know, that's what it's all about. Um, so we are to depend on miracles. We're supposed to do what we're supposed to do and ask God to be with us in it and in any number of ways, whether dramatically or less dramatically. He is in our lives. He wants to be in our lives. All we need to do is know that is true. Let me close in prayer. Father God, Lord, we invite you right now to bring to our mind uh, right this minute and this week anything, any area in our lives where you're calling us to depend on you, to look to you for something that we cannot do on our own and that you don't want us to do on our own, Lord. Give us the discernment to know where those areas are, where we are to do something and areas where we are not, where it would be a reach, it would be a stretch, where you would say, no, no, depend on me, trust on me, trust in me. 
Father, give us the wisdom to know the difference. Help us to get into the scripture and to be with people who know the difference, who can help us in discernment so that we're not doing foolish things. But Father, we ask you to help us to have the faith to see what it means to put our whole trust in you, knowing that you are with us, you desire to walk with us in our difficulties, you desire to help us over the uh, barriers, you are with us. Help us not to lose that blessing by trying to do it ourselves, but to to let you do it uh, so that we can have the joy of knowing we did the right thing and we gave you the opportunity to show us things that we never would have seen otherwise. Lord, bring that to our mind today and this week, what those things are in our lives, whether big things or little things. Father, do it by your Holy Spirit. Let that be a miracle. In your name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you.